This is out of bounds. The band's back together for another edition of Out of Bounds here on Know Your News. That's me, O'Brien. I'm John Alba. This is your home of the weird, wacky, and wild in the sports world. This is Out of Bounds. Mia, welcome back. You were on the road to your... Literally, figuratively, homeland. emotionally. Your fake homeland last week. Well, and, and truly on the road. Uh, shout out to United for... Uh, I've never had... And I'm actually talking to the right person. Um, I have never had a flight outright canceled um oh, hours thankfully thankfully hours before getting to the airport um i've had flights you know get delayed or the the crew clocks out i've had that happen but i've never had waking up at 3 45 in the morning and the flight has been canceled um but that is what happened john alba and as you know living in the great state of new jersey united has been having some issues or at least two weeks ago they were um and so yeah knowing full well i had friends stranded in Newark and other friends stranded at lax at the time we made the decision, said this could be a Southwest moment. Uh, don't want to risk that. So we moved the rental car situation, got a refund on the flight, and drove to the great state of Iowa. Truly long, going the distance, John. How long did that drive take? 18 hours. We left here around 930 from northeast Florida in the morning. We left at 930 uh, with some pit stops along the way. Got to St. Louis by midnight. So with a stop for lunch, stops for gas, stop at the grocery store. I guess that puts it at about 14 hours plus you get an hour because you go back, time travel, Um, and then four hours flat from St. Louis to Iowa City. So that was easy. The the Thursday morning was the easy part, but that's I said let's just power through, get to St. Louis, uh, which I had never actually gotten a chance to see that ballpark or that downtown John Alba, and so that was a very nice experience and, uh, and unexpected. And then just continued to the great state of Iowa. And then uh, from there, throughout the state, and then on to Illinois. And thankfully, the flight home did take off. I got a little nervous when that got delayed. Um, I think I will have PTSD for a couple months now. Um, But yes, got the flight back. That's all that matters. Well, if you'd like to tell us about your travel woes, you go over to KYNchat.com. You leave us one of those super chats, or you can just hop on into our YouTube comments, and we will throw those up on air as well uh, should you choose to leave us a super chat we'd love to hear your thoughts because she mentioned the ballpark in st louis we'll be talking a bunch of baseball on today's episode as we hit the midsummer classic time of the year people call this the slowest sports week of the year but john alba refers to this as his holy week (laughs) uh yeah in some in some capacity for sure uh in others i could go either way but we will get into that on this week's edition of out of bounds on the know your news network make sure you're subscribed to know your news on youtube of course so you make sure you don't miss an episode of out of bounds every single monday here at 6 p.m eastern standard time all right mia you were off last week so why don't you hit us with our little toasty toast this week what do we got yes i would like to uh give a toast to uh while wedding season is far from over um (laughs) i have seven between look at this not to cut you off i have seven between september and november i have seven weddings between september and november i didn't know there were that many weekends i know tell me about it well that's fun well as you know i have not been able to truly participate in the opening toast uh because i've been dieting to try to fit into a bridesmaid's dress which i did but now i can drink beer again also i'm pers i'm specifically 
using the koozie, John, from said wedding. Shout out to Hannah and Bon, uh, the Wagners, because I don't know if you knew this. My good friends, Hannah and Bon, uh, they have mini dachshunds. And so this was the theme. Oh, okay. We're like a good yeah. winter dog. I get that. Yes. Cool. We belong together. Get I see it? Because they're long. But cheers to them. And also, I am drinking uh, the new uh, Blue Moon, like the light version of some kind um, that I drank after the Luke Combs concert. Uh, but our good friend Andrew Badillo um, was like, yeah, let's throw a couple back. And then he promptly passed out. So then I didn't end up really getting to enjoy it because I was like, well, I got to dump this because everybody's going to sleep. So I will enjoy it during tonight's Out of Bounds. A little ASMR. There it is. Let's do it to them. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. Mm. it's monday you needed it i know i did as i was driving home from work i was like man i need this blue moon right now drink a little too much whiskey there okay oh baseball you you love baseball i really do love baseball there's no doubting that me o'brien and tonight if you love baseball well it's a good night for you because it is the 2023 home run derby home run derby you remember late 90s, early 2000s, this thing caught fire. You had the era of McGuire, the era of Sosa, Griffey. Truly was an experience. Then there were some down years. And then we've had a little bit of a renaissance in recent years. So I ask you, Mia, regarding the Major League Baseball All-Star week, does the Derby matter anymore? Do we care about the Midsummer Classic? And then lastly, who wins? the home run derby tonight well i will turn that question on its head john alba um because i want to begin with now the first event of the all-star week which was the mlb draft historically speaking the draft wasn't really televised until about 10 15 years ago in which case it was telecast out of our favorite studios in secaucus new jersey but that's a bit of a sterile environment as cool as it was for these prospects especially the high schoolers to be flown out to new york to get to see the big apple and to get to be on the studio stage there is something to the nfl's madness of creating a spectacle during the nfl draft week to create this three-day fan festival in the middle of their off season i am so proud of major league baseball for saying we see you doing that and we raise you adding to our all-star game festivities. They will never parallel the NFL draft, John, but I applaud Major League Baseball for saying, hey, let's look at the all-star week for what it is, which is a festival of and a celebration of baseball. And so culminates with the all-star game on Tuesday, the home run derby, in my opinion, I think, and I'm very curious what the ratings will show, I think it draws more casual fans than the All-Star game itself. And I think Major League Baseball not having a Sunday night baseball game and instead having the draft live from Seattle at Lumen Field, their football stadium, really was an opportunity for them to showcase the city of Seattle and also to bring even more fans into the environment that otherwise may not be that attuned to number one Major League Baseball, but number two, the MLB draft. So does the home run derby matter? Maybe? Yes, it absolutely matters. Offense sells tickets. Come on now. And that's what this all-star week is about, prefer, selling you tickets. Prefer, do you prefer the revised format of recent years to the old format, or do you prefer the old format? where you To the had, derby or with the all-star game? With the derby, where the derby you had originally, every player, you had the 10 outs, and you got as many pitches as you needed. Mm-hmm. Anything that wasn't a home run wasn't out. Whereas in the last 
eight years or so we switched to this time format and now it is timed where it doesn't matter how many outs you have all that matters is the clock well part of that was because we had some home run derbies that were going deep into the night four and a half hours five hours yeah and while that's a lot of fun uh baseball as a whole as we know has adopted the approach of uh people have tiny attention spans we need to come up with a way to expedite games and so if they're doing that for their regular games why wouldn't they say all right we got to put a time limit on this uh for the home run derby what i will say about it is there is this notion of because you have this time frame and you're just cranking dingers does that make the player sore for the week or two ahead uh there's some people who say it might I don't think so, and especially with the mashers in this year's field. I think more people are concerned about the idea that your swing gets messed up from just trying to crank out dingers rather than necessarily fatigue. I think the new format for the Derby that we've been seeing for the last decade single-handedly saved it. Quite frankly. Mm, Interesting. I think that it made an event that was starting to lose its luster quite a bit to must-see television. I think the Home Run Derby is one of the most entertaining sporting events of the year, how it is currently presented. It is easy drama for anyone to get attached to. You don't have to be a huge sports fan to understand how the Home Run Derby is held. You can get behind it. And chicks dig the long ball, right? So why not try to own in on that and showcase your stars of tomorrow? I think uh, Julio... Just last year, now he steps into, you know, his, his home, home ballpark for this. I think his coming out party last year was really due to the home run derby, and it showed how good he is, and it put eyes on him, uh, even out there in Seattle. So, could I note that doing the immaculate grid, which you first brought to me on this very program, mm-hmm. um, has brought to light how unversed I am in seattle mariners baseball and oakland a's baseball like yeah. i'm going like through historical rosters and i'm like i, I didn't know he played on that did team you, did so. you do today's yet of course i did today's I, now that's the new thing i do to wake up in the in the morning mm-hmm. how'd you do I do it every day uh i think today today i i was eight of nine because i couldn't believe that bob feller didn't have three thousand strikeouts no he did not come on that was different an era cc sabathia yeah, I know. That's on me. Come on now. Sad. I always forget I, he was with the Indians. I just I think about his time in Brewers. I have completed every day of the Immaculate Grid since since starting it, but I'm waiting for the first one to really get me. I've come close. There have been some that I've spent hours on trying to get, and I'm just sitting there, and then like a strike of lightning, I get 0.1% with Matt Lawton or something like that, <laughs> and we are off. So on the- brand for you, it hurts. I, it, um- I, I mean, it, the Immaculate Grid is the living, breathing embodiment of guys will just sit around and talk about retired players for a living. That, I mean, that's literally that meme come to life. But so let's, to- bring, like, so let's bring it back to the Home Run Derby because you brought up Julio, whose coming out party was last year yes. at the Home Run Derby. Yes. When I look at the winner year-by-year winners since 2000, I'm not going to lie, John. Outside of Garrett Anderson, perhaps, almost every single one of these got game names was already a household name before they took the stage Anderson, at the home run. Here, here's your awesome. yeah, but it's not it's not like some of these names. Uh, Ken Griffey Jr. about back to back 98 99 winner. Sammy Sosa, Luis Gonzalez, Jason Giambi, Miguel Tejada, Bobby Abreu, Ryan Howard, Vlad Guerrero, Justin Morneau, Prince Fielder, David Ortiz, Cano. 
Prince Fielder II, Ioannis Suspedis, Todd Frazier, Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron Judge, Bryce Harper, Pete Alonso, Pete Alonso, Juan Soto. Like, those are names that, like, were already household names. And that's yeah. what I think makes it all the more entertaining. Let's go back to the last golf major. How many people were actually rooting for Wyndham Clark? There were so many more people literally on the course screaming Rory or screaming Ricky as Wyndham Clark was walking by. I think that as a society, while we love an underdog, we also very much love to see the favorites pull through in those big moments. So who wins the home run derby this year? Well, I think I, Pete Alonso is going to win. He's the betting favorite right now. It? Although I do think the Julio Rodriguez being at home factor would be cool. Um, I also think Mookie's been uh, raking of late. Um, I think so Mookie's I w- the shortest player ever to compete in the home run really? derby. Really? That's a fun little fact for you. Um, yeah, I think he's been raking. So is Rutschman, then, for, though, for what it's worth. So I think all these guys are coming in pretty hot. And, of course, Vlad Guerrero Jr. to follow his father would be pretty awesome. Yeah, so – I don't know if you recall, but I had a stretch. And for those of you who aren't familiar with the brand, I had a stretch of about nine years where I correctly predicted the home run derby winner every single year. Um, And then it got broken two years ago. Uh, Last year. Oh, by Pete Alonzo. Pete Alonzo. Last year I missed as well. Um, the year that Pete Alonso beat Vlad Guerrero Jr., I picked Vlad Guerrero Jr., even though Vlad hit more home runs in that derby, is because of the nature of the format. I say this year Vlad Guerrero redeems me, and this mm. year Vlad Guerrero Jr. is going to do it. You know, the one thing about Vlad that works against him is his swing takes a lot out of him. And when you're talking about stamina in a tournament like this because of the clock, I could see that hurting him. I could see Julio. Uh, getting it done this year in his home ballpark for the record, especially with how he did last year. But I'm going with Vlad Guerrero Jr. to win the home run derby. And and the last part of this question, Mia, do we care about the all-star game itself? No. I are don't. you okay with the fact that I'm going to no- watch it because it's on TV. Are, but... are you okay with the fact that there's no longer stakes attached to it? No, because that's just you like it's, the an, all, it's an all-star it? showcase. All that, that's all it I'm is. Saying, did you like the stakes attached to it, or or do you... I was indifferent. I was yeah. honestly indifferent. I mean, you know. I personally, I did not like the stakes attached to it at all because I think it's an exhibition game, and yeah. when you take away a great season from a team just to acquiesce a stipulation from a, an exhibition game, I think that damages the integrity of your regular season quite a bit. Uh, Unfortunately, the all-star game, which used to be this amazing, amazing thing. Once interleague came into play with baseball, where you've got AL and NL teams playing each other all the time, you kind of lose the luster of AL players facing these NL players for the only time all season. Not that I have a problem with interleague play, just how I see it. Well, since it is the halfway point of the Major League Baseball season, John Alba, it is time for our bold predictions in the second half of the Major League Baseball season. Who do you have? My bold prediction for the second half of the Major League Baseball season. I have two trains of thought. Hmm. But I'm not going to go with the first one that I initially had. I will say the Baltimore Orioles will make the ALCS at minimum. Wow. At minimum. At minimum. 
I'm not Catholic. Okay. Yeah, I think they could make the World Series. Okay. But, they'd have to go through the Tampa Bay Rays, and the Tampa Bay Rays, I think, are just fantastic. I like that. But I think the Orioles have put a lot of the pieces together and are prepped to make a run. And I could see the Orioles being buyers at the trade deadline and going for it this year. Wow. I, I appreciate that one a lot. Um, my bold prediction, I'll flip it over to the National League. It pains me to say this, but I think the Cincinnati Reds come down to earth, John. I think the Brewers or the Cubs find a way to get it done, although I do think what the Pirates are that? pesky. Um, I don't know. I just they're, – they're still too young, in my opinion, although they have it's great pitching. It's not a very strong division, though. That's true. It's. I mean, I would – I would equate it to the Jaguars in the AFC South. Of course, um, we have to draw it to the Jaguars. Yeah, well, that's the only na- natural thing to do. I mean, look at these two teams. Like, they're both, what, nine games? One's nine games above that's 500. the only natural thing to do. When I think of Cincinnati Reds, I say the natural comparison. Yes, obviously, because another mid-market team. Um, so I'm, I don't think the Reds will win the division. I'm curious if they then hold on to a wild-card spot. I also think the Miami Marlins will find their way into one of those two wild-card spots. While I don't I think, think that's Luis, very bold. I think that's they're on pace to do that, aren't they? Yeah, but I think they're the team that everybody thinks could fade down the stretch. Um, and, I, I mean, are they a couple years ahead of schedule? Some may argue it. Um, I would say uh, Luis Arias uh, does not hit 400, but he does at least take his team into the – Divisional round of the postseason. Give me okay. Give me a bold prediction. What does Luis finish at? I think he's going to finish at like three, right where he is. At, quite honestly, like three eighty-five. Which yeah. is that disappointing? Let me ask you that. I is mean, it disappointing? I be disappointed in that. I'd be disappointed in the idea that we flirted with four hundred, but also let's be realistic. Hitting four hundred is just yeah, just unfathomable. Um, we already know who the AL and NL MVPs are. Uh, I think by many accounts, we know who the NL Rookie of the Year is. Who is your pick for AL Rookie of the Year? I mean, right now, Adelie's probably the, the leader for that, I'd say, yeah. from the Orioles. Again, the Orioles have just been fantastic this year. They, they really have put all the pieces together in a very short period of time. They showed some signs of life at the end of last year. And I think that uh, they're very much on pace to carry that through. I mean, Acuna and Shohei Otani are the runaways. Well, well, they're the runaways, but I'm saying right now they are the leaders for jersey sales this year in Major League Baseball, too, which is really cool to see that international flavor take center stage here in Major League Baseball this year. Two of the most just stellar performing I mean, Acuna his season will be overlooked in favor of Shohei just because of the nature of what Shohei's doing. But what Acuna is doing, especially on the base paths is truly incredible. Do you think he gets to 90 stolen bases? Oh, Acuna. Yeah. I got a little worried when he looked like he pulled the hammy a few weeks ago. And so uh, I'm very curious if, you know, health does come back to bite him. I hope not. Um, but we do know that injuries have been part of his story so far in the majors. Uh, additionally, if you're the Braves, I mean, they're currently just eight and a half games ahead of the Marlins. He's at 41 stolen bases. Right. right. There's a good chance, though, in my opinion, that the Braves just pull away so much over the course of the next month and a half that is he going to be playing much of September? Well, sure. I just read the 98 Yankees book, which I, I would recommend you read. I think you'll enjoy it quite a bit. And they talk about what happens when you reach September and you firmly have the division locked up. How do you approach it? So. Uh, maybe the Braves can learn from that, but we're talking baseball. We're talking summer, Mia, and it's just got me thinking. 
what's better than being out at the ballpark and chowing down? Look how delightful that looks. Love that. Love this journey for us. I was on YouTube yesterday, 3 a.m. in the typical portal that I download. As you do. Time every week, right? Every night, essentially. And I saw this video that was talking about how the food at a Korean baseball game is so much better than the I've food heard that. at an American baseball game. Well, it got me thinking, you know, you've been around minor league baseball a lot. That's one of the big gimmicks with minor league baseball. What is the best ballpark or stadium food? It doesn't have to be a baseball. Stadium food that you've ever had. I'm attempting to try to find it for you. Um, if you're at all familiar with Joey Pancake. Do you know who that is, John? No, I'm not familiar with Joey Payne. Okay, former draft pick, uh, seventh-round draft pick, as a matter of fact, of the Detroit Tigers. Uh, has never actually made it out of the minors, but Joey Pancake, a former South Carolina Gamecock, of course, is a very foodie last name. And so when he was playing for the Western Michigan Whitecaps, and that's what I'm trying to find right now, they actually did a hot dog inside of a pancake with a bunch of like they had like uh, syrup on it, and then they oh. had other stuff on it. I'm trying to find it, Sam. But I'm going to find works. this. For you. I can see where that works, as asinine as it may sound. I can see where that works because you get the flavor profile almost of a Canadian bacon. So if you were to put like syrup and breakfast-oriented stuff, I could see where that works. You've had that before. Yes, I have. So it's here it is. Two alternating layers of pancakes, hickory flavored pulled pork and bacon, all topped with a generous helping of syrup. Oh my goodness. So the Western Michigan Whitecaps played the Cedar Rapids Colonels in the championship game of the Midwest League back in 2015. I had just moved to Iowa a month earlier. And uh, now he's back in his hometown of Cedar Rapids. But my boy Mitch Fick at the time was working in Western Michigan. And so as part of their coverage, he came back and like we teamed up for it and they brought pancakes and they were so good and i remember seeing it john and to your point about great ballpark food i just thought what an innovative thing to do like i was like this is brilliant to see you have a guy on the roster named joey pancake with a k and say let's come up with something so i love that um but I would say in terms of like when I go to a ballpark, what's a unique thing? Uh, very blessed that the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp, the AAA affiliate of the Miami Marlins, are here in town because we have a lot of shrimp at the ballpark. And one of my favorite things is they do uh, boom, boom shrimp, but they actually do it in a waffle cone. So it's like a bowl waffle cone with like oh. hot sauce and shrimp on it. It's Next time you come now, we got to get bang you shrimp something. you're talking about? And bang, bang shrimp. Mm-hmm. Bang, bang shrimp. Okay. I yes. Can, I it's unreal. Get... And the waffle cone and then it all melts together. Oh, I got I Next time you come, we got to get you one. I can get down with that. I can get down with that. Huh. I told, Actually, there's a food account somewhere on. Uh, hold on. Let me pull this up. There's a woman on Twitter who is like the food account. Like of, okay. all, of baseball games. Okay. I'm trying to find her. It's really great. I need to I'm trying her. to think. I'll, I'll be honest. When I'm thinking of like ballpark food, I'm thinking of quality. And in terms of quality, I think my favorite thing I've ever had at a ballpark, you get the primo sausage and peppers and onions at City Field. And we're talking like an authentic New York Italian bite right there. It is so freaking tasty. It's the kind of thing that I say it and you can smell it. You know what that sausage, peppers, and onions off the hot griddle smells like. And that is like elite tier baseball food, in my opinion. I know that's not super extravagant, but if we're talking about quality and best things I've had, I'm putting that right at the top there. I enjoy that. 
That's great. And Makes I'd love you want to a know, hot dog real bad. I'd love to know what your guys are. You go to kynchat.com or you just leave us a super chat on YouTube and we will get them up on here because we love talking about food. We love talking about anything but sports on our sports show. So if you've got anything that you'd like to throw at us, please, by all means, do in the super chats. I could talk about ballpark food. This guy was showing. We are going to talk about ballpark food, though, John, because we're going to talk about hot dogs. I didn't get to talk to you last week about the hot dog eating contest. I'm going to take you behind the curtain here. So obviously it's the 4th of July, right? And so I'm in Chicago and I'm getting texts. Of course, we're in the central time zone. I'm getting texts from people saying the hot dog eating contest has been canceled. The rain. And I'm like, didn't we do this inside in 2020 and everything was fine? Like, I understand there's thousands of people in Coney Island, but like, just do it inside. Televise it. That's all any of us want to see anyways. Well, it was canceled, John, until Joey Chestnut literally rallies the troops and said, not today, Satan. He willed himself to eat 62 hot dogs and also willed the competition to occur. Is he a Mount Rushmore American athlete? Look at that man there. 18,000 plus calories in this particular hot dog. And he's like not fat. That like all these competitive eating. Well, well, because he's an athlete. Because he's an athlete. He knows how to do it. All right. Well, first off, before actually, we can't even talk about this, Mia, because we got to talk about your rib eating contest that Mm, I saw. mm I I would love to know how this played out because I only got to see part one. Yeah. How, how many I can send you ribs, part two. We can post it. How many I, ribs did you tackle there, Mia? So I had five and a half, but here's the funny part, John. Five the rest and a half the, ribs? Yes. Like individual ribs, five and yes. a half. Yes. Okay. Yeah, like yeah. So okay. I in in five minutes. In fi- so that the competition was in five minutes. How many yes. did you eat? Okay. Correct. Um and so the winner, um, so Leon Cersei former all pro right tackle, my co-host, um, he had 11 and so did our listener Tobias who came in to the studio. Um, they both had 11, Joe had nine and a half. And then I think Matt had six because they were like going to give him crap if I had beaten him. But here's the thing. As soon as we were done all aside from Tobias, God bless his heart. The other three were like in pain. Like they couldn't move. This is awful. I ate three more, John. Like, that's the thing is, I've always just been, and we can blame my father, Silent Walt, for this. I'm slow and steady wins the race. Like, I can't eat fast, but I can eat a lot. And so, yeah, I had, I ended up having like eight or nine, Um, but I had five and a half in the five minutes, but I was content because I got Sonny's barbecue uh, ribs, which the St. Louis style ribs, they are doing the all you can eat again. Um, So go get them. You can do your own eating contest. I was never a big fan of Sonny's Barbecue there in Florida, but I'm glad that they delivered in Cape. You got to go to the one in Gainesville. You got to get Shannon Snell, former All-American guard. That's who you, the pit master. When you have, pit like, it, it's nectar from the gods from him. Okay. I've had other Sonny's, and it's okay. Then you have the one that Shannon, like, homemade makes for you, and you're like, okay. oh, my God, right. my world changed. As far as Joey Chestnut goes, you got Kobe. You got Ruth. You got Muhammad Ali. You got Joey Chestnut. Kobe over Michael Jordan. I'm just, I just, I'm just semantics. This guy is elite in all facets. And yeah, you might say this isn't a sport, but the way that these athletes and I call them athletes, they train and they condition for this requires the same regimen, tenacity and intensity as training for many other sports in different ways. Sure. But the dedication to their craft is there. And yeah, I'm going to call Joey Chestnut an athlete. And if you're strictly talking about dominance, there quite literally has never been anyone as dominant in their respective sport as Joey Chestnut. So if we're Mount Rushmoreing the crap out of this, 
Hell yeah. Joey Chestnut belongs on Mount Rushmore. Do you remember Kobayashi? I did enjoy when Joey Chestnut had like somewhat of a competitor. Now he's just been in a class by himself most of our life. Uh, he did lose though. It's not like he didn't. He has lost. Yeah, but like the last decade, it's just been Joey against the clock. He lost like... one time in the last decade. Yeah, the Kobayashi. No, not to Kobayashi. It he wasn't lost. a Kobayashi. It was two. I'll pull up his name, but he lost to somebody else. I feel like that was the only person that ever really gave him a run for the money, in my opinion, in my memory. So I love Joey Chestnut. I love America. I love hot dogs. I love uh, this crossover I'm about to give you, courtesy of your friend Sean Ross Sapp, um, where he literally tweeted out the picture of Joey, and it had the uh, the asterisks, and it goes, glass shattering uh, <laughs> sound effect. Steve Austin, yes. Yes, it was uh, literally Stone Cold Steve Austin as he emerged and said, we're eating those hot dogs, rain or shine. It was 2015, Matt Stoney beat Joey Chestnut by two hot dogs. He took it to a whole new level since then. Whatever happened to Matt Stoney? Uh, I'm not. Has he been heard from sure. since? Did Joey eat him? I, I guess he has a very popular YouTube channel, from what I understand. Does he eat food? He does. He. We did actually, discover that last week uh, as we were preparing for two weeks ago. Prepare, he actually preparing holds, for the ribby in contest. He, a lot of people holds, have those YouTube. Channels. He holds many world records. You want to know how many ribs he ate in five minutes? How many? Would you like to take a guess? Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with twenty-three. He ate seventy-one ribs. In what? Five minutes. How? 71 ribs in five minutes. Like, do you just... I mean, like... I don't know. He also ate the 20,000 calorie burger from the Heart Attack Grill in four minutes and 10 seconds while eating four pounds, 1.9 ounces of Halloween candy in six minutes. You talk about pancakes? He ate 113 silver dollar pancakes in eight minutes, this guy. Oh, that I could do. Yeah, you could do that. Now, I at really least I could that. do some damage. I could do some damage with the pancakes. Okay. Right. Silver dollar, yes, especially. Well, I mean, so what say you? Is Joey Chestnut Mount Rushmore here? Yes, absolutely. It's more so, like you said, he's in a sport where it's him and it's everybody else. Name me another sport like that. I mean, maybe, I know he's been disgraced since, but Lance Armstrong in cycling. Michael Phelps in swimming, but even then he did at least have some peers. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Mia, let's go to the land of you're really old and remind you that it was 10 years ago today. Oh, yes. That Chris Bosch, LeBron James. 13 years ago, right? uh, 13 years ago. Sorry, I didn't mean to say 10. Uh, 13 years ago today that LeBron James, Chris Bosch, and Dwayne Wade formed to create the first modern super team. We all remember this image. They had the little party at the arena down there in Miami where LeBron said, we're not winning one. We're not winning two. We're not winning three. We're not winning four. We're not winning five, maybe six championships together. And they did win a lot. They won six, but they They did win a lot. So may I ask you, was the first super team experience here a positive for the NBA or a negative in hindsight? Well, it certainly changed the trajectory of the NBA because then it became an arms race and everybody needed to have a super team. I think in a literary sense, John, there was some beauty to LeBron James having to leave his homeland for him to come back and bring a championship to his hometown. I think adopted hometown, if you may, Cleveland, Akron, the same thing. Um, I think there was some beauty and some poetry and symmetry in that. Um, Certainly now there's an argument that the Kevin Durant's of the world 
left their team they were drafted by, which Oklahoma City was not Kevin Durant's home city. He's from Washington, D.C. Um, and so, why, no offense, why would you go back to Oklahoma City? Although his restaurant, best fried chicken I've ever had in my life. Um, and, you know, there's an argument of he could only win when he was part of a super team. LeBron, the first person to join a super team, then went back and won a championship with his original team and then went to a third team and won a championship there. Um, so... I think that it has changed the course of the NBA for better or worse. Now we pivot to a world in which we see the Denver Nuggets, a team that in a different but similar fashion to the Philadelphia 76ers chose the process and scouting and waiting for guys more so than we're going to band-aid fix this and just pay a bunch of guys to come in and, and that's what we're going to do. And you still see that in the NBA for what it's worth. The process brought in James Harden and hoped that that would rectify the ills of Markel Fultz and Ben Simmons selections in the NBA draft. And so, listen, is it good for the NBA? I don't know, but it certainly created the NBA that we know in a society that is driven by highlights and driven by superstars. In the sense of competition, I don't think it was a good thing. In the sense of elevating the NBA in the public profile, it was a resounding success. Because now the the concept of the super team has created the world's greatest soap opera ever, which is as the NBA turns, which you can find every single uh, summer, because it truly is some of the most appealing and can't-look-away television out there, what happens off the court, let alone what happens on the court. It has been very successful in that sense in elevating the profile of the NBA. I'm all about player empowerment. I think players controlling their own destiny is a good thing. I do think, unfortunately, it has resulted in the attention span and commitment span of some players maybe becoming a little fickle, where rather than sticking it out for an extra season or so with the team to really see something through, guys will grow bored quickly and say, no, I want to go to another super team. I want to go form something else. Uh, That I do think is a negative, but all things considered, I think it has elevated the profile of the league to a level that is beyond comprehension where people look to the NBA as the most dramatic and compelling league out there. And it should be noted that up until LeBron went to LA, um, it wasn't like, listen, Miami's a top 10 market, but, it's not like Miami was the Lakers or the Knicks. Yes, they had won a championship earlier in Dwayne Wade's career, but it wasn't like they were this massive, you know, New York, Chicago, LA, Dallas media market. And I think what's been cool is since the Miami Heat, you look at some of the other teams, super teams, quote unquote, that have formed, you look at the teams that have won NBA titles over the last 13 years, the Golden States of the world, the Milwaukee Bucks to some extent. Um, if you want to look at the Denver Nuggets as a super team, I wouldn't because they they were drafted and brought I, I into the system. I wouldn't call the Bucks a super team. Though. No, you feel they were drafted like they were. It was it wasn't like Drew Holiday or Chris Middleton like brought but in. Those aren't mega stars. No, those, that's true. Those I mean, are very good players who became necessary pieces to that championship but Giannis was a homegrown talent I I don't look at them as a super so outside of so what would you view Golden State though Golden State's a super team go I mean even though they were mostly homegrown they brought in Kevin Durant and Kevin Durant changed the entire dynamic of that championship run there like that that was a super team the first one wasn't but at that point they then became a super team for sure and and Clay did develop into a big time star uh, so, yeah, they became one, in my opinion. But I don't think Milwaukee, like when the 
20 I wouldn't years. say Toronto either, but Toronto did add Kawhi. Or was that yeah, just lightning no, in a bottle? Call, I wouldn't call. And that's my whole point here. I'm not saying – more often than not, the super team strategy doesn't work. Mm-hmm. It worked for them, and it worked for the Lakers in the bubble year. And yep. listen, we, I don't normally read comments that aren't super chats, but I'm going to read this one here real quick from Scott, who we appreciate you tuning in, Scott. Says bubble championships don't count, just like the pandemic era of WWE never happened. Listen, bubble championships do count. Bubble championships count more than anything, in my opinion. You had a season that was full steam ahead. These players were in peak athletic condition. They had to shut it down, only to ramp back up in an environment that required such strict uh, routine and rules and regulations and regulations. To me, that in, that championship win that LeBron snagged with the Lakers is among the most impressive ever. Would you consider the Cavs then to be a, uh, to be a super team, the LeBron Kyrie, Kevin love to a degree, but there's a difference between LeBron Dwayne and Chris Bosh at the time and Kevin love Kyrie and LeBron. Can we also give Chris Bosh his flowers? I mean, the poor guy, he was a hell of a player, player, an unfortunate heart condition, um, we'll never know officially, you know, what could have been if his career had been allowed to continue. I mean, he he's, was a huge reason why that Miami team won. So, yeah, I mean, he certainly does deserve all his flowers there. Well, speaking of guys in the NBA, there's a new guy. I was going to make a, you know, new man on the Minnesota Vikings, but this guy plays for the San Antonio Spurs. His name is Victor Wembanyama, and he had a rough week, John. Um, This weird run-in with Britney Spears, which we're going to talk about. Uh, So he was all over the tabloids, um, which her shuffle is mostly what my issue is with, not with the slap. Then he came out looking a little sluggish in his NBA Summer League debut. Was he watching out of bounds? You will have to tune in to find out. (laughs) He goes two for 13 from the field. He did rebound last night, pun intended, with a double-double in his second game of the NBA Summer League. Should we be concerned, really, this time, in the number one (laughs) overall pick? Like, we were joking last time, but did you watch his debut game, or did you see any of his debut game? I watched the highlights, or lack thereof. So I'm watching this thing. And I'm saying, and I'm not trying to be like hot takey and overreact at all here. This dude got bullied around in that first game. And he did bounce back last night, 27 points. He looked good. But the fact that that even happened, this guy that we're talking about could be the next closest thing to LeBron that we've seen in 20 plus years in a different way, of course. But I'm seeing him get bullied around. And we already know he's like a lanky guy right it got me a little concerned that he's gonna run into some physicality in this league and he might find himself in trouble and i could see us reaching a point with Wembenyama a couple years into his career where he sacrifices some of his athleticism in order to bulk up a little bit to hang with the rest of the league now could that be overreactive maybe it is but This dude ended up on the floor several times in his debut, and that's Summer League. You're not going against Giannis in Summer League. So I thought that was a little concerning. What say you, Leah? It was concerning, but also we have to remember, we really didn't get the Chet Holmgren experience a year ago. We only got a handful of games before he was forced to shut it down. Have we really seen... Yes, I understand the Kevin Durant comparisons and some others that have been likened to Victor Wembanyama, but they're truly unlike anything we've ever seen before. These guys that, for lack of a better term, they resemble more the characters in Space Jam than they do their finished product. 
Giannis Antetokounmpo was like that, but he was not given the the the, the runway that Victor Wembanyama. Or excuse me, Giannis was given the runway. Giannis was allowed to develop. He didn't have to be good right away. Victor Wembanyama is going to have to be good right away. Chet Holmgren, yes, the Oklahoma City Thunder are rebuilding right now, and they're certainly, uh, you know, a team that a lot of people think could have a say in that nine ten spot for the seed in the playoffs. But the reality is, is like Giannis had time to let his body develop. I don't know if these two guys are going to have that luxury. Yeah, and and I think especially when you come in with the hype, you know, Giannis didn't come in with the hype that Victor Wembanyama came in with, and that's going to matter. And then go ahead. It, for those who have missed this, Mia, please enlighten everyone on this Britney Spears mishap. Yay! But, oh, my God. So you need to go watch so the random. video. This is one of the most random things. It's so heard. random because she, she claims like she didn't even know who he was. She just knew he was like an NBA player and he was good. Um, And so Vic, Britney Spears, who, mind you, correct me if I'm wrong, John, is doing a residency in Las Vegas right now. I believe so. At, as a performer. Um spotted Victor Wembanyama at a casino and trotted after him, truly trotted. That's the best part of the video, in my opinion. And as she went to tap him on the shoulder, his security detail from the Spurs literally now. So like, okay, let me try to do this. So she's me, right? She goes to tap on his shoulder like this, right? The guy is here and he turns around and he backslaps her hand. And then it goes into her like this. It was funny, Such but also it's the shuffle that jumper. makes the video. The shuffle is what you need to watch. Like watching Britney Spears at 40 some odd years old shuffling after Victor Wembanyama was just a sight it's to behold, bizarre. especially because he didn't know who she was. What happens in Vegas, right? Like it was what a bizarre encounter that is. You knew TMZ was going to get the video eventually too. Of course. I was so proud of them. It made me so happy. Yeah. Weird week for Wemby. Hoping yeah. that it is not a sign of things to come. How's the rest of that Spurs team? I really haven't like taken a deep dive. I mean, yeah, you can't tell anything off. I mean, they have Popovich, so like in theory, they you're just resigned a brand new deal. By the way, this dude's going to be coaching until he's eighty. So, all right, I just pulled up their I pulled up their depth chart. Keldon Johnson, Devin Vassell are both former first round first first round picks. Excuse me. So is Trey Jones. Ooh, I love Devontae Graham as the backup point guard. That's great. Reggie Bullock's a bit of a bully. Sochan, maybe he's still got some left in the tank. It's not an awful roster. Zach Collins. Okay. It's not a bad roster. There's pieces. They were just bad enough to get that number one overall pick. That's all. The, listen, that the ping pong balls fell their way, John. All that matters. If only it, the Oakland Athletics will be so lucky yeah. <laughs> next year. Well, if only the Dallas Cowboys would be so lucky to find a kicker who could actually put the ball through the uprights in the postseason on point after attempts. A little oddly specific, you may say, John, but it is truthful. The Dallas Cowboys have signed Brandon Aubrey of the USFL. Who said this USFL was useless? He's going to compete for the kicking gig just months after Brett Mayer missed five extra points in the playoffs. So that begs the question, Mia. Is it time that we actually start giving great kickers their flowers Kickers, punters, long snappers, I've been trying to give them their flowers for years. That's why you should tune into my other podcast, The Scoop, because uh, both the Jaguars punter and long snapper have already come on said podcast to eat ice cream with me. Um, no, I think that it is such a niche niche thing, like kicking, punting, long snapping. It's so funny. We talk so much about these quarterbacks and the specialized training they're getting. These dudes were doing that 
long ago. And so many of them played soccer or played a different sport and then ended up kicking. Like and as Brandon soon as Aubrey, they make who is playing soccer. As soon as they make the move, they have to spend all their time and energy with a specialized coach. And while that's become more common practice among youth athletes in this day and age, like to do that ten, you know, five, ten years ago, that didn't really happen. Um and so no, I, we absolutely should be giving them their flowers. Uh kickers and punters do matter. Um special teams matters and it's an acquired taste. And I'll I'll give you another Jags anecdote. Um, But the truth is, you know, I'm sorry to the UCF fans out there. Um, The Jags cut Matt Wright, former UCF kicker last year. And then they cut Riley Patterson, who was their hero of the postseason, went over the chargers because they ran the numbers. And quite frankly, those two dudes compared to a veteran like Brandon McManus, who won a Super Bowl with the Broncos, in terms of kickoffs and in terms of being able to hit more field goals from beyond 50 yards, which is obviously an advantage to the team. Look at the Ravens and Justin Tucker. Like what an advantage it is. As soon as you're within 60 yards, you go, okay, we'll make it. Like what a weapon that is. And the fact that NFL teams are utilizing that. If you're seeing the Ravens and the Jags doing that, if you're the Cowboys, you have to create that sort of competition and try to put yourself in in the situation to have that opportunity. Kickers are like the most valuable players on the team outside of a quarterback, in my opinion, quite frankly. Yes, if you have a good kicker, it's it's a game changer. It alleviates so much pressure from your offense where you know you just got to get to field goal range and, and you're going to guarantee yourself points. That, listen, what what's they always say? Get yourself points, right? Like guarantee yep. yourself three just down the points field. points on the board. Time. And when you have a kicker who is a guarantee, then you're setting yourself up in situations that allow your other players to succeed. You know, Mike Vanderjack, before he had that awful miss in the playoffs that really just killed his career with the Colts, he was a guarantee for Indy, and that alleviated pressure for Payne Manning exponentially when he was out there. Do I need to say Adam Venetari? Because I think that one speaks for itself, mm-hmm. right? It just makes all the difference in the world when you have a kicker or a punter who's guaranteed. I always look at Jeff Fiegel's. For the 2007 Giants, that dude was a guaranteed coffin corner punter every single time he was out on the field. When you are setting the opposing offense back inside their own 20 every single time down the field, you're setting your team up for exponential success. So, yeah, I'm all aboard it, Mia. Give the kickers, give the punters all the flowers. Those guys should be getting paid a lot more money than they are. Also, the Dallas Cowboys will do anything to try and stop our jokes about them not being back. Um, so I applaud yeah. them. And also, competition is a good thing. It if would be a shame if they came up just short. Yeah, that would be. Also, can I make a note? Uh, so uh, the uh, the kicker, Brandon Aubrey, uh, he was the first USFL player to be signed by an NFL team this offseason. Uh, do you know who the second was officially this morning? Who? How about a guy... By the name of Josh Peterson, the son of Jaguars head coach Doug Peterson, and signed by the Jacksonville Jaguars. I do want to note it really quick because we do enjoy wacky and weird here. So please leave a comment, super chat especially. Um, There is going to be a lot of people that say nepotism, nepotism. That's fine. You could say that, but. We live in a world of it's not what you know, it's who you know. Also, for what it's worth, Josh Peterson, he played at Louisiana Monroe. He's been on three NFL teams before. He has, even at Louisiana Monroe, he caught touchdowns against Florida State and Iowa State. So he's like pretty good. There will be those of you that compare this to Tim Tebow signing with the Jacksonville Jaguars. 
after not playing in the league or an organized football game for 10 years at a position in which he had never played. This is very different, folks. It's a camp body, and it's a guy who is going to be on an NFL roster in training camp. It just so happens to be his father's. Yeah, Tebow was a gimmick. And right, that was a, this is not a gimmick. Like, this guy has played tight end since he was 14 years old. Like, this is not a gimmick. Um, and so I know I'm going to have to fight those uh, crazies tomorrow on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. All right, man, it's time for the Beast of the Week. Last week, my Beast of the Week was Shohei Otani. He was amazing. Who was your Beast of the Week this week? So um, I wanted to give my Beast of the Week, John, to Denny McCarthy. And you may say, why is that, Mia? And that is because, John, I saw the light. And by the light, I mean I saw the new DraftKings sportsbook at Wrigley Field. And it changed my world. Even if you're not into sports betting, the fact that you could sit there and watch five or six Major League Baseball games at once while you have a lovely meal and drink. It's game-changing. And then you think about the economic revenue to a city. Jacksonville's rebuilding their downtown right now. So, of course, I'm like, oh, my God, this is everything. The one bet that I made with my, you know, sign-up bonus was I bet $25 on Denny McCarthy to finish T10 at the John Deere Classic, like the degenerate that I am. And he did. He finished T6, John. But I'm not going to give it to Denny because that's – that's too weird. I am going to give it to Sepp Straka, though, who did win the John Deere Classic and flirted with not a 59, John, but a 57, only to double bogey 18. Yeah. 62. Not what you want. Not, not what you want, but I'll give him this. When we looked at this, we, we turned it on before we left Tampa yesterday, and he's 11 under through 15. That's as beastly that's as insane. we've seen yeah, on this program. That's insane. Uh, my beast of the week is Ellie De La Cruz. I mean, this mm-hmm. guy is just unfreaking believable. and is, He's my vote for NL Rookie of the Year. He is turning. He's major, turned a franchise around. He's turning Major League Baseball on itself. And this past weekend, you probably saw the clip. Stole second base, next pitch steals third base, and then home. In three pitches. Unreal stuff from Ellie De La Cruz between his debut homer, the life that he has injected in what was a totally dead franchise. He is a special talent. He's one of the rare talents that live up to the hype upon debut, and he is undoubtedly my beast of the week. And I said, like, I said this today to my coworkers. I was like, look, like, Ronald Acuna, the Atlanta Braves were going to be good. On like, no offense, the Cincinnati Reds, who were going to be decent. Like, they've added pieces. They've drafted well. Joey Votto is still somehow kicking. Um, but the reality is, is, like, that that franchise needed an Ely De La Cruz. The Braves would have succeeded with or without Ronald Acuna. But the two those two guys, when I think of baseball is fun again, when I think about trying to inject youth and – to try to get people to watch baseball, it's those two dudes. Like, because they're just fun to watch, and it makes me I so would happy. Agree with that. Thank you, Latin America, for saving I baseball. Would agree with that. The home run derby's coming at you tonight. We'll see how our picks hold up. This has been out of bounds. She's me, O'Brien. I'm John Alba. We will see you next time. Roses are red. Violets are blue. I click the subscribe button. You really should too. If you like videos about real news stories that are funny, stupid, or weird, subscribe now.